2: hear that podcast growling mean and angry hear those callers shouting
1: All right, welcome yeah, to the latest man. edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Liener, Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you. How we doing, Jay?
3: I'm doing great. Hamilton is a buzz today. The Little what? League team, the Little League team, won their World Series game mm. last night. The Queen of Hearts is three hundred fifty thousand dollars tonight, which I oh fully God. intend to win. So yeah, there's it's a lot going on in this town. I mean, how many
1: people will show up at the Queen of Hearts? Uh, what's the bar is
3: it the- it's the avenue um yeah. it it there was a lot last week i took a picture from the parking lot and then my old paper the journal news actually used my photo for a story they wrote on it um it, I, I went in last night to buy some tickets and the line was out the door to buy tickets i think the the media coverage and just everybody it's getting down to the finals. There's only nine cards left everybody knows it's got to hit soon it's it's insane i feel sorry for those bartenders i mean that's from open to close, that's all they're doing is selling tickets. Every now they, and then someone orders a drink. They get tipped. They get tipped oh, for selling
1: raffle tickets.
3: Well, my my tab was sixteen, because I did have a couple beers last night and and I threw the bartender a twenty dollar tip. I just they're working hard, appreciate it. They're not just being angry, they're having fun with it, even though you know it's driving, it's just wearing them out. So I hope everybody else is doing the same. If you have time, uh lots of time. Uh,
1: head on out to the Avenue and maybe you'll win $350,000. I mean, you basically need your whole day. You're going to need your whole day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that another time. Let's we'll talk about Bengals. Um, we got a bunch of things we want to get to. We're going to talk a little bit about the Joseph Osai injury. Um, and I'm going to, a lot of people have asked the same question about it and I didn't want you to hear my answer and think that I know what I'm talking about. So I went to one of the preeminent doctors on the topic to give you an answer. So you'll hear from, uh, Dr. Mandelbaum, Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, who is more boring than his name sounds. However, he has great information in regards to the (laughs) Joseph Osai injury. If you're interested, um, we have, uh, we're have we going to talk a little bit about the 53 cuts that are coming and, and some of the risers' fallers, talk a little bit about um, where we're looking on the back of the roster as they kind of focus in on that. Uh, we're going to talk about the chase drops, of course, but through a little bit different lens. You're going to hear from offensive coordinator Brian Callahan about how they're handling it internally, and we're going to kind of discuss how they're handling it internally. We've heard from a lot of people on that. And Brian talked to me after practice yesterday, and I thought there's some really interesting stuff in there. Um, so I'm just going to bring you a lot of that to hear from him coming up. Of course, for the millionth time, the one, once more into the breach, my friends. Uh, on Ber- should Burrow play in the preseason? What should it look like? We can uh, discuss that. Jay, you've got some stats, preseason stats, which might not be sad as a whole, but because their preseason stats are
3: inherently sad. That yes, they are. But it's it, the fact that I even bothered to look these up is kind of sad. But it, Bengal fans. You you have to take all this with a grain of salt, but it is it is reversing a trend, and it is therefore not sad. Uh, the these particular stats.
1: Uh, so we got that, and then a little bit more on on some of the practices that we've seen the last couple of days. We're about to round that out, Jay. We've got obviously their starting game week prep. This is sort of regular season schedule Sunday game. This is what it's going to be for the most part the rest of the season, and that's Tuesday, players' day off. Wednesday, Thursday, two of your harder practices. Friday, light walkthrough, um, easy practice, day off Saturday, play the game Sunday, rinse, repeat from now until January. Um, So we're starting that now, and we'll we'll be able to go in training camp style and watch two more practices, as um, is stated in the NFL-NFLPA agreement, Uh, And then the 26th, one of my favorite days of the year, Jay they kick us out after 30 minutes. <laughs> yes. You don't Can't have wait. to stay you don't have to stay not not have to. I do enjoy the insight of getting to watch full practices. I really do. It's one of the best parts of our job. Training camp is fun. It is also really freaking hot right now. <laughs> it has been so this is the hottest camp I can remember and we have been doing a lot of sweating. So we, we have to hang out out there. There's no shade. You're just out there baking. You're trying to see what you could see while you sweat it'll be nice after 30 minutes where they say all right you can go back into the air conditioning now i'll I'll take
3: that for now plus the bengals imported all these little bitey flies to bug us during practice it's been brutal my my legs are bitten up but nobody wants to hear about this
1: let's talk about um (laughs) we'll we'll get through some news and then we'll get into uh, some of the bigger topics let's start with osai um an injury you know it kind of caught wind of this early, but you know the the official stance from the team has kind of been the same the whole time. They're they're officially on still looking for stuff that's more conclusive, but the reports out there and and can confirm it. I mean, oh, oh, expect, expectations he's out for the year uh, with a meniscus injury. You know, he it, it did happen in the game against Tampa, but. I don't think he noticed it as much. I mean, he was feeling like maybe there's a little something going on in his knee, but you're so focused on your wrist hurting and thinking that that's a serious injury. He was just kind of like, I think he was just kind of focused on that. And then the next day is like, by the way, my knees kind of continued to hurt me too. And then they look at it and what do you find? But the meniscus injury and it's not a light injury. It's a serious one. And he's out for the year, which is a brutal blow. Um, which I want to talk about in a second, but first, cause a lot of you have asked the same question and I, and I had the same question as well. Meniscus. I, you know, I hear meniscus and I think see in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you see guys come back and play the next week. And I, and, and I've heard that from a lot of people and it, because it is, it's part of it. So I reached out to our sort of doctor helper to- folks, uh, who always hook us up with some of the top docs and, um, Thanks to them for doing that, by the way. I got Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, who is the sports medicine specialist and orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Joe Institute in Los Angeles. He is the chief medical officer for the United States soccer team and for MLS, uh, and he offered a thought on the different types of meniscus and how you could end up with a prognosis uh, this long for just a meniscus injury. Here's Dr. Mandelbaum. How you doing? I'm curious how much of a difference there is in meniscus tears and the difference in timelines that you see depending on what those look like.
2: Well, I think you're asking a question that has different sides to it. And, you know, many times people say, well, what's a meniscus tear? And You know, there's not a binary part to it. It's not either or. Uh, And uh, when you hear and you work back to thinking from you'll be out for the year, usually insinuates that this is the kind of tear that's an unstable tear. Yeah. You know, the meniscus tear is where you avulse a root. You know, the, the meniscus is a C-shaped structure that roots in the back and in the front. And when you pull that out of its root where it's supposed to be, then you have to put it back. You have to sew it back. You have to go through bone. And then it's going to take you about four to six months to really heal enough to play a sport like football.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, if it's a tear where the meniscus buckets and there's a good opportunity to repair and it, it's not at the root, but it's in a mid-substance, and you could repair it. You put sutures in it. You put PRP in it. And it's going to take four to six months to get back. Now, if it's the kind of meniscus tear, the situation where it's a little flap where you can go in there and just recontour it, you know, those are the kinds of things that they're out on a cane a few days, they start riding the bike the next day, and they're most of the time ready to play anywhere from three to six, eight weeks in that range. So there's different beasts, you know, and and um, they're all meniscus tears, but there's different types, and they carry with it a very different prognosis.
1: Uh, so good to hear from him to, you know, don't believe me, I'm not a doctor. I That's why I talk to them. Uh, they tell me tell me what we're supposed to think. The bottom line is, yeah, certain types of meniscus injuries, four to six months, and that leaves you out for the year. And it sucks, you know? I mean, because that might be what that might be the best defensive debut in a preseason game I've ever seen. <laughs> because it was against, I mean, he was against the starters, he was in there early, he sacked Tom Brady. He he was making every play you want to see and then to know that that's going to be the only time you see him this year um it's, it's tough
3: man it's tough it, yeah i mean that on its own is tough but it's also one of their biggest area of needs they draft three defensive ends and he's now the second one that'll be out for the year and the third one is on the rehab field currently not to believe not believed to be serious cam sample shoulder but um this team just can't seem to catch a break when it comes to to draft picks either they draft them and they're they're already hurt and they're they're hoping they'll get back soon and they don't or this kind of thing happens um you know we saw it with Jonah Williams it's just it seems like every year they have a major training camp injury with a with a draft pick and this one really does i mean there was there was a lot of excitement um about Just seeing him, seeing Osai in that 58 looking a lot like, you know, you talked about great debuts. I don't remember if it was Carl Lawson's first or second preseason game when he really stood out, but it it was just, you just couldn't stop watching the guy. You know, I mean, you were there in person. I was watching it on TV and it was, you you don't even do the watch the ball thing. It was just, just watch 58. So it, it sucks for him. It sucks for the team. It sucks for the fans. It's just bad all the way around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember early – I be, yeah, I believe it was. It was Carl Lawson's rookie year, maybe his second year, and they went to Washington in the preseason, and he was whipping Trent Williams. <laughs> and it was like, this is not a preseason thing because that's Trent Williams, and he's out there trying, okay? and And so – this was on par with that. I mean, this had that same type of feel and it's ironic the same week, you know, that we talk about Osai, We're also talking about Carl Lawson who popped his Achilles in jets camp, which is just freaking awful. Those of you listen to the podcast, you you know what kind of a, a a dude Carl Lawson is. You heard him before free agency, uh, which was maybe one of my favorite interviews ever. Um, And he was kind of, he really wanted to start letting his personality out more, which is just, hilarious and 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 interesting and and fun and he was gonna hit the new york market to do that and they were loving him there he was destroying camp he was the talk of camp as he always is and for that to happen it just sucks he was really it felt like he was about to take off you know i mean no no pun intended but like it was just that's it's awful to see but it happens you know all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor And a part of this with Osai is you can't. The pressure was not on him. He he was not the starter. He was to come in and be a rotational guy. I, this doesn't change his long term prognosis. I mean, I go back to William Jackson, right? I mean, you lose him for the year as a rookie, comes in the next year and and can still play great. I mean, and you still have a chance to get all the years out of him that you want. It sucks you won't see him right now. More pressure on Hubbard and Hendrickson to stay healthy. For sure, because you're going to have to lean on them more rather than rotating them out Um, and more pressure on the interior guys to to bring the pass rush. And what do you do? Do you do you now use cam sample as the rotational pass rush? And I mean, he's got to be you're you're not going to do that unless he can prove to be good and maybe that's him coming in as the interior guy on passing downs next to Oganjobi with Hubbard and Hendrickson on the outside that what they had shown in Tampa was Osai and Hendrickson on the outside and moving Hubbard inside actually with Sample hmm. and having the having that as their sort of pass rush power um i don't have a problem not taking Joby off the field necessarily but you know you you do put more stress now on others when this goes away but it's not It's not like you're losing Hendrickson or you're losing Hubbard, the guys who are your starters, or you're losing Ogunjobi. I I think the fact that you were going to work him in, it's it's not as big of a loss. But I mean, I think what he showed and what he could be, um, you know, it's still it's still something that takes away some of your depth that you're definitely going to need at some point.
3: Yeah, because we saw I, I should have called I should have pulled these up his exact alignment, but I, I don't remember seeing Cam sample inside as much in Washington without Osai. He was he was more strictly an edge and it creates an opening for Darius Hodge. I mean, he's he's undersized, but he he is fast and he's he doesn't have great strength to, to be an a th- every down pass rusher, but. Yeah, if you can bring him in on third down and and move Sam Hubbard inside, it, it it can still look pretty good, even even with the Osai injury. Um, it 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 sucks all the way around, but it does. It creates a great opportunity, and they, you know, Zach is kind of downplayed, and and Lou too, um, is kind of downplayed what Darius Hodge has done so far. I don't know if they're they're trying to. Uh, keep it on the down low, even though the film's out there in case they do end up cutting him and trying to sneak him through to the practice squad. Um, but it's he has been impressive. For an undrafted guy who changed positions, he was a linebacker in college, It's it's been fun to watch. And he will be definitely a guy to keep an eye on because he should get a ton of snaps in that Miami game on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still Darius Hodge, undrafted free agent. Yeah, He's not Joseph Osai. Third round pick out of Texas, there's a and there's a there's a ceiling there early and, and and these guys I mean guys come off the map all the time undrafted free agent I'm not downplaying that, um, but for what they wanted that spot to look like and feel like, mm. even the best of Darius Hodge isn't gonna isn't gonna get you to where you wanted to be, and so they brought in Noah Spence which is really just a just a flyer I mean he just got cut by the Saints so you're looking at he's not going to necessarily be the an answer. I mean, you're just hoping that you get lucky and some change of scenery brings something out of a guy who was a second round pick a few years ago. Um but you know, you're kind of searching a little bit and it makes me wonder how open would they be? Will there be somebody at final cuts maybe that is a tough cut somewhere else? Um or will there be a trade opportunity for you? You know where do you have the? We talked about this last time, right? Where's your overage? Somebody you're going to have to cut that you can trade. You know, well, last year what Austin Calitro for Christian Covington, right? Mm-hmm. None of that makes anybody excited. These those two, those two names aren't going to make you perk up. But this is what we're talking about. Um, where's their overage? I don't know, Jay. Where do you see an overage here that that someone would actually be interested in? I don't I don't know how much I do.
3: I don't. I mean, the biggest overage is kicker, and I don't think anyone's going to trade for a kicker. Um, no. I, I wonder because there's still guys out there. There's still veteran guys out there that, um, for what like Geno Atkins, um, obviously, there's edge guys too that could come in and help. And if if they decide. If they go the other way on Jesse Bates and don't sign him this year, that gives them some more leeway to go out and sign one of those guys. But he's starting from behind. Um, I don't know. I I haven't looked at enough of the the other teams' rosters to see who who has overages and at defensive end, and then where their needs might be, and if it would match up with the Bengals. But I don't. I really don't see where the, the Bengals. I mean, they they the DBs have played so well. But they're they're thin at safety, even though they're they're top heavy there. They don't have great depth at safety, and those cornerbacks that that five, six, seven cornerback spot. I don't know anybody's going to trade an edge guy for one of those. Who's trading so. for Tony Brown? <laughs>
1: you know, I mean, it's just that's what you're talking. I know. I mean, maybe you're trying to get away with a receiver, but nobody's trading for Trent Taylor. No, you know, nobody. I mean, it's it they 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 are not. I just don't see them working from a place of depth anywhere. You know, you know what's weird? They have so many of these middle guards on offense. It might be where you're talking about because you're, you know, I think you're looking at a chance of them keeping 11. They probably keep 10. But I mean, where you could see them, but who's trading for Michael Jordan? Right. Who's trading for, I mean, maybe. If you went all of a sudden, you all of a sudden said you're not going to start Xavier Suafilo, you would trade him. That's not. I just these are things that I just don't see. I don't see, and maybe they are. Maybe somebody's in such a hard up way that that they would be interested, but I don't see them having trade ability to add there. I think you turn internally. You know, a guy we haven't talked about because there's been injury there, but we talked about before camp started was Khalid Kareem. Who was thought well? The injury really slowed him, and you're really going to get that jump and see who he can actually be this year when he's fully healthy. and He needs to get fully healthy. But I, you know, you got to turn to him at some point too, and, and, and these people that you have here to to develop. Um, you've you you've stockpiled the position the last couple of years of young people. Somebody's got to come through and and fill in.
3: And it, it, it's the same story for Kareem. He, he's behind again. He's he missed a couple weeks of practice. Now he's back. He just recently came back. But how quickly can can he give you some sort of impact off the edge? Um, it, that you're right. That is probably their best tra- best option at this at this point. But it what was he a fifth round pick? So again, it's it's right there. He's he's not third round pick. Joseph Osai. It's it's not. It's never going to look. The way they they wanted it look to look, but he is he's not an undrafted guy who's just learning the NFL like Hodge. He does have a year in the league, um, and got a decent amount of snaps last year. His injury was in camp. He, he I think he played all 16 games. He played a lot on special teams, so maybe that that's that is a guy that another one that should get a lot of snaps against Miami to kind of see where he's at. And the bottom line is the defense is the
1: last thing you're worried about right now because they've played really well and including against Washington for you know whatever two or three series against their starters and you know they seem to really be coming together I mean Logan Wilson has played really well he you know he had the force fumble he's made a lot of plays uh the the corners have been really good and don't forget you now have you have Mike Hilton who's one of the best blitzing slots in the NFL who can help make up for that a little bit too. Where you're a little bit more attacking in that way, um, DJ Reader has looked spry. He looked he he had a, a lot of n- plays in a small sample size for uh, somebody coming back from injury. I just I'm not concerned there yet. Again, it's a reserve piece, so I, from a unit that's played really well and looked really good, and I think expectations are are higher than we thought they would be. So, as somebody tweeted to me, something about oh, why does this happen every year? I'm on the, the brink. I'm on the bridge. I'm going to jump. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so sick of it. And I was like, man, if if an injury to a third-round backup defensive end is going to send you to the brink, like football <laughs> ain't for you as a sport because this happens everywhere, every team, every year, and it will happen to more prominent players than this on the Bengals team this year and on every team this year. This is what the NFL is. NFL's attrition. NFL's depth. Stars and depth. Who's your quarterback? Who are your other stars? Where's your depth? Because that's how you win in the long run. And so you got to be able to handle Joseph Osai going out. And they probably got to be able to handle two more dudes on that defensive line going out for a game or two, or maybe hopefully not longer than that. But that's what it is. Um, Elsewhere on the 53, there are, to me, there's some other comings and goings. I have some of this in risers and followers. If you go to theathletic.com, subscribe, of course, to get all of our coverage. Uh, but we, I was kind of riding on risers and fallers a little bit. And I, there's a few guys that you, you mentioned Darius Hodge. I think the Osai injury puts him on a 53. I yeah. mean, at this point, it'd be really hard to see them not having him as not just 53, but active on game day. Um, which he was maybe on the bubble before. So he's a beneficiary of that unfortunate injury. And and I I mean Jalen Davis has to be on now. The guy's sure. played it, he's earned it, and he looks a hell of a lot better than Tony Brown or or whatever. And and he can play the slot. He's he's made plays in coverage in Tampa. And he made plays tackling and putting his, you know, his face in the fan in Washington. Three stops. Um, not tackles, stops, plays for an offensive failure. Um, you know, I, I just think he's he's kind of shown that he can do it. He's obviously played, he's motivated. I mean, he's not gonna be a shutdown corner, but for a guy who can get you through a few games and now has some confidence rolling, um, I like it. And your backup setup. Because before, if you if you kept Tony Brown, Darius Phillips was kind of bumping inside to be your backup slot to Mike Hilton. I like this better. I like Phillips better on the outside, and I know he's undersized. I know he's not. You know, Lord knows we we know the Darius Phillips story about the pluses and minuses. But I just like him better on the outside, where it's more time to make plays on the ball and, and maybe get some picks. Versus versus inside, and. I think this allows you to do that with him as the outside backup. So I, I, I just you know he's got to be on the team.
3: Well, yeah, you talk about what we've seen in the games, but what what fans don't see, what we see every day in practice, you're writing down 35 a couple times. He's he's making plays consistently in practice, and I think Darius Phillips too is kind of an underrated. We we talk so much about the the rise of Jalen Davis and how good the starters are playing. Phillips is played pretty well in both those preseason games and he's always like you said he's that undersized guy you're always worried about the injury risk and if if he's going to win that punt return job that's just more chance to to take some shots but he is he has quietly had a a really impressive camp Um, those those dbs have, have really kind of been the stars of camp so far
1: yeah, I'd agree. And Phillips, you know, he's because he's smaller. You're still going to see what you saw, you know, that with the Diami Brown catch where they're going to throw up top over top of him, and and try to take advantage of him that way. The same way they did with Donovan Peoples Jones in the game winner against Cleveland last year. I mean, that's going to be the thing. But sometimes he's going to get you picked off, and, and that's important too. And for a guy who's your your fourth or fifth corner, you know that that's I mean, that's part of the profile.
3: You've got some pretty good safeties to give him some help over the top as well. Absolutely. Um,
1: the other side of that is you mentioned Phillips, with the punt return job. I think we've got clarity at the back of the receiver room somewhat in that Trent Irwin has become part of the punt return group out there now. And, that says okay, and Darius has been the number one punt returner. So it's to me, it says, all right, Darius, if you're going to be the backup corner, we're not as worried about you taking hits and punishment, and you're free to to be our punt returner and our safety punt returner. You know, um, would would be in the old Alex Erickson role was Trent Irwin, and they put him back there to make sure he can handle it. They assume he could. He was not a guy out there catching punts at the beginning of camp. And they would, you know, they'd have four or five guys back there rotating through during practice. Uh, he is now, and he is in games, and they, I think, they've seen everything they want to see from him. And they, because he's been really good as a receiver, and he's beat out Trent Taylor, who you kind of thought was going to be that six guy potentially. But I think, I think it's Trenton Irwin now, and I think he's got a pretty solid lock on it to the point that I don't think I don't know how much we're going to even see of him on on Sunday.
3: Yeah, a Trenton. Taylor has been, he he's had drop issues of his own um, quite a bit in practice. And I, I think that's a, a big part of this where Trenton Irwin takes shots to the head and still holds on to the ball. And you mentioned that that punt, ro- the punt return rotation, I mean, they always would have Tyler Boyd back there fielding punts in practice, just as kind of that emergency guy. And he's not even doing that anymore. It, it, it feels like that they've kind of removed that as an option. And and Trenton Irwin is going to be that guy where if Darius can't do it, he would step in. It just, you can, you can, you can really read the tea leaves here that, that Trenton Irwin is going to, and he, he played all right when they, he came in last year and got some games in the slot um, late in the year with, with Brandon Allen thrown to him. It was enough of a showing and they really liked him coming out of Stanford. They tried to get him as a undrafted free agent, and he went to Miami and then Miami ended up cutting him and they went right back at him and, and got him here again. So this is a guy they've been high on for a long time, and he's taken advantage of his opportunity. And I do, I he's on my 53 at this point. I can't see anything that would change that on Sunday.
1: The story that was told to me in passing when the, he first the first year that Irwin was here, um, so a year and a half ago, whatever, was that at in practice he was roasting Darquez Denard. And at the part at, at the part of that conversation, it was more about Darquez and like trying to figure out if they were going to bring him back, what he is, and we wonder now, looking back on it, how much of that was Trent Irwin being a more, kind of a surprise. That was a, I mean, that, that's a that's a real corner in the league who has continued to play in the league, um, and but. You know, I think you've seen parts of that. And every time we talk about Erwin, people talk about him as a surprise. If you're talking to a coach, they say, yeah, it's been great to see the continuation of what they've seen in the last few years. And that's somebody who's been on the pre- – but, you know, Alex Erickson had that lockdown, right? Like he had lots of NFL snaps as the backup slot and a punt returner, and he was reliable and trustworthy, and you knew who he was. And that's what you want out of that position the backups so, I mean that's what you want some sort of understanding of what you have reliability. I mean I think Irwin this is his chance to you know to to be that if and maybe be more and who knows but uh, I definitely think he's earned that and and i'll I'll say locked it up I, you know, I would think you're right. I don't see anything changing uh, on Sunday outside of you know injury changing something um. Outside of that, I mean battles. I think Chris Chris Evans um will be your third running back. Um we still have Trayvon Williams is now back, but I don't what can he do in a game where all it's all reserves out there to make anybody believe that he has to stay when you're looking at lots of other positions where you need depth that Evans has been an unbelievable receiver. He <laughs> yeah, had another great catch on the on a wheel route. Uh on Monday and I just think, you know, he's shown too much of what he can be in that role um to not. And I think I think he'll get Travion Williams on the practice squad. So I think I think he's kind of won that one when we're looking at bad old battles and risers and fallers.
3: Yeah, and I thought Chris Evans I mean, he didn't have a great game running the ball, but I, I thought he showed improvement from game one to game two, running inside and not doing what they told him. But you know, four of their five negative plays against Tampa were, were Chris Evans' runs, and he they you know they said you can't you can't make those kind of moves that you made in at Michigan, and he took that to heart, and he was hitting the hole, and um, for he's not a big guy, but he ran hard inside, and that's that's still part of his development, as will be pass pro. But man, he is he is something else as a receiver that that the, the wheel were out. You were talking about it was from Brandon Allen, and it almost looked like Brandon Allen overthrew him. And Chris Evans kind of hit another gear and had to, like, really reach out. It was it, it didn't just drop into his hands. He had to reach out and get it. And he made it. And we just seen him make those kind of catches over and over again in practice. If you're looking for it, uh, Joe Dan and Fox 19 had a great video of it. I retweeted
1: uh, to take a look. You can see how Evans chases it down and catches it on his fingertips and keeps going. It was just a a really nice play, but something that we've seen a lot from him uh, during camp. All right, let's just take a quick break.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Well, as we talk a little bit about drops and nice catches, let's let's hop into the Jamar Chase conversation here. Um, he, here's what I want to talk about. So. Let's recap where we're at. Obviously, we know what happened in the game. On Friday, we talked about it in the walkout. What, the, what, what to make of these drops? What, what are they? Are they something? Are they nothing? Are they point of concern? You know, I, I think what has happened is you see, look, the, the, we're only a few weeks away from the opener. This is not about Jamar Chase's career. This is, this is not about who he can be in the end, okay? This is about who is he right now. He's, he's going up the learning curve to get to who he's going to be eventually. How long is that going to take? Because in the meantime, this team has to go win games, and a lot's riding on them going to win games early in this season with this schedule, with the pressure on the staff, everything. So how long will that take? for him to get up to speed and and be comfortable which a point where he's not thinking about it. He's not slow with his eyes. He's not dropping the ball. Well, so you think, okay, just a game, come back, bounce back. Well, Sunday's practice, first ball in 11s thrown to him, drop, plain out drop. Then later on, next ball, he sees in seven on seven runs a great route along the back of the goal line. Um, In a red zone drill, Burrow puts an absolute dime right on him, drop, interception, Von Bell, Von Bell running the other way, and it's like, what is going on here? Chase kind of comes around, he lets out a loud F-bomb, Burrow comes over, gives him a tap on the helmet, then he walks over, and he's kind of standing by himself, you know, with the towels as they break for the next drill and C.J. Uzama kind of comes over to him and talks to him for a second, gives him a little shoulder pat and and, and moves on. Everybody understands this is an issue. Everybody understands this is something he's going to have to work through and they're all trying to help him. To me, the, the conversation right now is how are they trying to help him, A, and B, how long will that take? So, in and then... With that, C, does that mean early on you need to ease him in snaps-wise with with giving a little bit more to a guy like Auden Tate, who, by the way, catches everything, it, as part of the easing in process? So those are sort of, the, to me, the topics out there at this point. Let's start with me talking with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan after practice um, on Monday about a lot of the things surrounding that which included jamar chase having a really nice day monday where he caught a couple of balls including a really nice touchdown in a red zone drill kind of twisting grabbing the ball at the front pylon so on a day that the whole Bengals offense had good even hit a deep ball to T. higgins but let's talk about chase here here's brian callahan how you doing with like the stuff with the drops how do you work with something like that is that a just don't work on it as much. It's like I don't know if it's a like better out of mind for a guy that's never had a problem with it, or it's easier to just like,
4: you no, know, let's talk about it, let's rep it, let's figure out how to fix it. What's the, is there a balance in there? There's a balance. Yeah. And to me, the balance is always going to be. I don't know. So so a- it- anybody can go out there and be like, "It yeah, catch the ball." Yeah. You're like great coaching <laughs> point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so. You, what you try to do it's almost like anytime you're in a slump right you don't really want to talk about the slump <laughs> you just kind of got to work your way through it and me yelling and getting all mad and zach getting all mad and everybody getting on him all the time doesn't do any good Like he knows he's supposed to catch the ball mm-hmm. and so you balance that with what 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 are you doing specifically what what is the problem are your eyes late are your hands late uh what what is the the core of the of the issue uh, are you worried about what's around you? Are, is there what? What is it that we're missing? Is, are your eyes coming off the ball when you're going to make the catch, which have happened a few times? Uh, and you try to work on those things as yeah. opposed to the actual just catching of the football. You try to find what it is that's causing the drop, yeah. or or what's uncomfortable at the catch point that you know maybe he feels that we don't know. Yeah. Maybe he, he as he comes out of the break, the ball got on him way faster than he thought it was going to. And Now his eyes and hands are late, and it jumps on him and out to drop. And yeah. so. There's a ton of drills. Troy's always doing stuff with them. They're probably out here right now somewhere. Yeah. But Troy does a lot of like tennis ball drills. Yeah. So tennis balls off the of walls, eye hands, tracking balls, moving through all those things. Like there's things you can do to drill it yeah. without making it feel like just catch the ball, and then all you're thinking about is catching the ball, and then it just yeah. spirals out of control. And that's, yeah. you try to avoid that part where you're saying, man, just if you don't talk about it, just work through yeah. it, and, yeah. and you find your way through. It's like
1: don't want to make it more of a mental thing right it's like yeah because when something like that comes out of nowhere it's confusing for everybody because it's like but it happens if we were talking with T and with TB today and they everybody goes through stretches at some point has it it's just a matter of like Working through it, but for you, when you, it's it feels worse when you're okay. We're now 20 days from the opener,
4: right? That's when it kind of feels like a little more than it than it would be. You feel the urgency, yeah. You know, you feel what it what it's like. This is happening for real here, really fast. Like yeah. it's not April anymore. You know, we're, we're playing in a very short amount of time, and it counts. Uh, and you only get so many of those opportunities. Yeah. And so you do feel that. Uh, yeah. I think like a good example is like Shermer fumbled like uh, maybe. At one point, it felt like he fumbled at least two snaps a day for, like, five straight days. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it was just the same thing. It was like you just – so, you get so far in your own head yeah. Yeah. that an act of something so simple, taking a snap or just catching the ball, becomes this monster that you got to get. So you try to keep it from getting to that point where it's like, all right. Was the technique of the route right? Is he doing the right things everywhere else up to the catch point? If that's, yeah. the, if that's the case, then we'll work through anything, any drop that happens. Right. Um, there was a, uh, Frank Pollock sent me an article. I don't know where he had it, but there was a huge article about uh, kind of a, re, not revisionist history, but looking back on Jerry Rice's first year in San Francisco. Okay. Mike Trainer wrote it, I think maybe in 2006 or something like that. Okay. It's like a some anniversary piece on that. Well, they, they talked about, like, the fans were booing him. They, he was almost benched. Like, all this stuff. Yeah. And Bill Walsh had to stand up in front of the media and be like, nope, it's going to come. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, it was a whole big thing, which I never remembered. I was, right. like, a year old when that happened. Yeah. But I thought it was just an interesting piece. I like guess here's arguably yeah. the greatest receiver in the history of football. Yeah. Had struggles as well that he had to work through. It's. Yeah just part of it i think do you send that along to jamar like hey i mean jerry rice yeah i think i mean he said frank sent it to me and troy and zach because it's just kind of a i don't know where he got it or if he yeah because he was he was with that team i think maybe three years later after that but you know he he knew some of the things that went on i think he was kind of sharing his perspective of This isn't the first time this has ever happened. Right. Well, it's, like, we were talking with T last year and about how,
1: you know, the first couple of games, when he wasn't even really hardly in there, the hamstring, and he wasn't, he was still really figuring things out, catches a couple of touchdowns in Philly, and then it just sort of, like, starts to build on itself, and, like, that's a very, very normal progression, you know, but because you're number five overall and and you're going to be the starter and you're replacing A.J. Green. People
4: think you're going to be 2015 A.J. Green from day one. That's just a hard thing to try to live up to. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if I remember correctly, A.J. had struggles too. Yeah, first. He only caught one ball in the opening. Yeah. We have this game when he touched down. But he but he was only one. It was only one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, there's a there, it, it is. It's hard. It's hard to, to try to make the transition because yeah. everything's everything's faster, everybody's better. The things that you were generally better at than whoever you played against don't show up anymore. You have to be you have to be detailed, you have to be sharp in what, you're, in what your plan is versus whatever coverage you're seeing. You yeah. have to see the coverage, you have to feel the leverage. you got to do all these things that generally are pretty new. Yeah. Even uh. at the highest, even Jamar who played against like seven or eight drafted corners, those aren't eight-year veterans that have played a lot of football, yeah. that aren't afraid of you, you know? Yes. Um, so it just, and it's good. It's been good for him. His learning curve has been steep, and he's Managed to get through it, but it hasn't been without its without its issues. Yeah.
1: Okay, so there's uh, there's office and Brian Calhoun As we talked after practice, um, uh, you know uh, about all these types of things. Here's what I loved. I loved Frank Pollock. Sending the story about Jerry Rice to Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. The story about how Bill Walsh had to stand up in front of the media, Jerry Rice's rookie year, and tell everybody it's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. He's not a bust. I'm going to keep playing with him. You'll see. I'm going to stick with him. While the whole media in San Francisco freaked out about, is it his gloves? Like, Is it, is it his hands? Is he working too hard? Is, he, is his work ethic not good enough here? What's going on with this guy, Rice? This isn't going to work out. And eventually it worked out, but it was Jerry Rice rookie bust was the story, right? And it was all about the proper retrospective. And I actually went back and found the link to the story from it's on football outsiders by Mike Tanier. He wrote it in 2006, but Frank Pollock remembered it because he was with the Niners in 1990. And that was part of the story at that point when people would laugh about how good Jerry Rice was and about how I guess he wasn't a bust. So again, this isn't about his career. But there is stuff in there about how to handle this. At a certain point, you just got to believe in the guy. And they are. I, I mean, I'd say that, Jay, right? I mean, I, I th- there has been zero backing down of standing totally behind Jamar Chase and just helping him work through it and understand that this, he's going to get through this and be fine.
3: Yeah, every guy you talk to says that. He's going to be great in this league. He's going to be fine. I remember – Talking to CJ Uzama last week, it was last Tuesday, because Jamar Chase had this great practice and it felt like he'd turned a corner and then it went back south again after that. And and CJ talking about how like he would give him shit when he dropped the ball. And and that was, you know, his way of trying to kind of loosen him up and and, you know, maybe trying to make him laugh and shake it off and move on to the next play. And that that's not what was going on on that practice on Sunday when CJ approached him. He kind of did, you know, like a little everything's going to be okay shoulder massage and kind of patted him on the shoulder and you could tell it's different and i, I, I asked too. i asked t higgins that because i wonder if a, a rookie comes in and he's lighting it up and then he has a drop maybe he gets some razzing in the film room when they're watching the film of practice and um I, I wonder if there was some of that early that where it wasn't just cj it was other guys kind of talking shit to him and then if that has changed where they're like okay maybe Maybe we need to lay off that a little bit and let this guy work through it. Um, it, it was noticeable that yes, they're always they're always going to cheer and celebrate when when the offense scores a touchdown. But it was there was a little more to it yesterday when Chase caught that ball at the front pylon that you were talking about the kind of the twisting catch. You you could tell that I think everybody kind of exhaled there a little bit. Is like okay, that's that's who they drafted. That's what they expect. And, you know, every time he makes a play like that, you, you, you just think he's turned the corner. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna come around. Uh, You, you don't know how, how it would be great to be inside those meetings and and see how he's approached, but it it does feel like, you know, they, they've kind of dialed back a little bit and they're just, they're, it's not even even saying everything's going to be OK can get in a guy's head. Just if there's a drop, sometimes the best thing to do is is not approach them and, and let them work it out on their own. Yeah, Brian, Brian kind
1: of talked about that a little bit about the mental balance of let's not make this a mental issue. I I don't need to tell you you need to catch the ball. You don't need to hear me say that. No one needs to yell at anybody about that stuff. It's about it's not an issue. It is an issue. Let's talk through how to how to work through it if we need to. But really, I go back to T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who we talked to uh, on Monday. And it was them talking about their first couple of years. And Higgins last year, I mean, people forget. I mean, he had the hamstring thing, but he was healthy the first couple of games. He just didn't play much. John Ross did. And it took Higgins a while to really kind of get going. And he has a game in Philly. Where he catches a couple touchdowns to give him some confidence, but he also has a drop on a ball where he said he showed his hands too early that would have probably won them the game. And he still remembers it clearly to that day. Snaps off the answer to, to a, a drop that he remembers about that's the one. Like that's what stands up. And that's week three last year. And then by the time you got kind of a couple weeks after that, the indie game, when he when he really goes off and catches the deep ball then T. Higgins starts to roll and start to become himself. You're at you're midseason at that point. What really is the difference between – this is any rookie receiver. You get spoiled watching Justin Jefferson. That is the outlier, man. Like, the, these, these guys may be able to come in and play fast sometimes. That happens. That is the outlier. The average of a really good receiver is probably more like what you saw from even – and Higgins is kind of on the outlier of really – it takes you some time. By the time you hit midseason, you really start to hit your stride. Because you're number five overall and all those things, it's like, man, there's that – he needs to come in and be that dude. I mean, like we said, A.J. Green caught one ball in his first game. It was a game winning but he caught one ball, uh, and they weren't covering him. <laughs> it's like it takes time, even for the great ones. And so this is not about his career. So let's go back to the other part of the question we asked before this. How long do you wait? How do you handle that waiting time? I think you have to be having real conversations about what role Auden Tate can have in easing this transition to help it not cost you games. Right? Am I off on this? Am I being
3: crazy? No. I mean, third down. That That's where if, if Jamar Chase has a drop on first or second down, you know, it's like a penalty. It it sets you back, but you can overcome it. If if you have a drop on third down, you're punting. Uh, and and Auden Tate is just kind of built to be a third down guy. I I could see them really kind of limiting Jamar's snaps on third down, and and maybe even give him a series off and let Auden Tate get in there for the 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 better part. Maybe not an entire series if it ends up being a long drive, but let Auden Tate start a series and ease Jamar Chase in. The flip side of that is. You know, do you do you target him a lot early and try to get him going? Because yes, that could be the outcome of that. If he has two catches, three catches on a couple targets on the opening drive, all of a sudden maybe all those drops are forgotten and he just takes off. The other the other side of it, of course, is if the drops happen again early in the season opener, how much does he get back in his own head and, and where does it go from there? It is, it's a delicate balance, but I do think we're gonna see. Particularly early, the first quarter of the season, that we're going to see a lot more of Auden Tate than maybe we expected when they drafted Jamar Chase.
1: Yeah, I think you take it week by week, you know, and and you do this with a lot of rookies. I mean, ease them in. There's no there's no need to shove them in there. Ninety percent, you know, give them a chance to, to to dip his toes in the water a little bit. Um, if is that a 70-30 split? in favor of chase is that 60 40 is you know what is that is it 50 50 i don't i don't know they got to figure out what that is maybe it's certain packages that go by feel even in the game you know if chase comes in he's playing well and he's roasting patrick peterson he's catching the ball then don't worry about it um but you just kind of see as you go there and then you and you assess that and go week to week and eventually you'll end up at the point where jamar chase is your guy is that week two is that week three is that week nine i don't know But I think for week one, I think you have to have some. And Auden Tate was always going to have a role. um, But how much of a role was sort of, you wouldn't think in a role that would be taking Jamar Chase off the field a lot. And I don't, it won't end up that way. But I think early on, you got to consider it. I asked Zach Taylor about that specifically. Do you need to start to consider Auden Tate and, and how he can help? jamar chase and the answer was that's exactly the type of stuff that can help jamar chase is we have a lot of other people that have been very consistent and reliable that can that can help him acclimate it was a very long-winded answer that that wasn't necessarily a direct answer to the question of like is he going to play more but it wasn't a denial at all and it was saying yeah all t higgins tyler boyd the tight ends have been consistent tate is, is is been consistent like you know what he is all of those guys being there as other options take the pressure off of Chase, and I think that's what they they want to do. They want to. They don't want this guy to feel that kind of pressure that is being cast upon him from the outside. That has been cast upon him since the moment they drafted him. You know, and it doesn't help. I'm sure he doesn't notice, but everybody else does. When you know the team's commercial, like the the Bengals draft, Jamar Chase is like how they pump up the. You should come <laughs> to the games. You know, it's like <laughs> all this stuff. It's like that's what they're leaning into. That's what the expectation is. And it, it's a lot on a guy um, that's out there. And And then when you start getting in your own head is when it becomes a problem. And they just can't let that
3: be what's happening now. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the T. Higgins play and how he overcame that. And Tyler Boyd had – I mean, he didn't hesitate at all either when we asked him if he had to play. He, he went right to his debut game against the Jets and remembered a specific play. And then if people remember week two that year, uh, they were in Pittsburgh driving for the game-winning score, and, and Tyler Boyd fumbled. And, you know, that, that that was not a good start for a w- rookie wide receiver, and he, he came through that pretty, pretty well. And it wasn't an instantaneous turnaround like T. Higgins because um, – Tyler Boyd's second year, he was actually inactive for a couple of games. No, Tyler Boyd had two years where he
1: was basically a non-factor. I mean, his first year was good. That second year was a total non-factor, healthy scratches.
3: Yeah. Right, yeah, healthy scratch a few games, and and then all of a sudden, year three, it just turns around. You you hope it doesn't take year three for Jamar Chase, but it, it just shows that, yes, no matter how good a guy is – they all have stories like this where there was a slow start. Very rarely does somebody just hit the ground running and, and light the league on fire. And it's still super early where we're, we're it, he, Jamar's under a microscope is the number five overall pick. And the, the drops have been more than what you would expect, uh, which just kind of creates a bigger narrative around it. But kind of going back to your column, just pump the brakes on it a little bit, give it time to work itself out. Um, be interesting to see what happens Sunday, how early and often they target him. We don't know how much the starters are going to play in that game, but it sounds like they are. Um, Just the fact that that Zach is weighing the decision whether Trey Hopkins and Joe Burrow will even play, that leads you to believe that, yes, the starters are going to be out there.
1: So, which
3: leads us into (laughs)
1: one last time. Willie (laughs) won't. Well, actually, we'll, we'll be back later this week, and we'll know the answer. So this is the last time, I guess, we debate it without knowing um, you know the preseason thing. Um, I I've kind of stated the opinion so many times on it. I just if this is what Joe Burrow needs, if he needs to check this box, if he tells you, look, I I need this, not I want to play, I need to play to really feel like I've checked that last box before Minnesota, then put him out there. Don't coach scared. Put him out there for a series or whatever you want, and let him run some safe stuff and and call it a day. Like at some point he's got to go out there. And if he needs that, then give it to him. If he says, I, I want to play. Cause I want to play. Cause I'm Joe Burrow and I want to play all the time. Uh, then that's different. Would you be fine against Minnesota without it? Sure. Do I want to play? Yeah. Then the answer is it's not necessary. Then it's, I think it's to me, that's what it is. Ask the guy. I want to know what, what he feels like he needs. And once you know that, then there's your decision. I mean, there's so many ways to go out there and put him out there for a series and not, you know, be concerned. Do safe stuff. Keep it conservative. It's not hard.
3: And, and you've put so much on him. The, the, the trust is there that you, you have to trust his answer. if he's, If he does say he needs it, that he truly does need it, he's not just saying it because he wants to play. But it's – I mean, the league changed last year. It, it's one of those things where, you know, an un- t- unintended consequence where there was no preseason last year. And I think everyone's kind of realized that maybe these quarterbacks don't need to play in the preseason. Totally different situation, obviously, with Burrow coming off the injury. But it, it's it's it been, uh, I don't want to say amazing, but it's, it's been noticeable how few starting quarterbacks are, are playing in the preseason. I mean, I, I went and looked it up. And there's only six starting quarterbacks that have thrown double-digit pass attempts so far in the league. There's 17 starting quarterbacks that have yet to throw a single pass in the preseason. Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown a pass in the preseason since Week Two of 2018, and he was two of four in that game. I mean, he is—he's a totally different animal altogether. But it is, I think you're seeing a, a trend turn here where the, these guys—the injury risk is is too great—and and you you don't feel like you need to stick them out there. Now, maybe that all changes. I, I guess every team's going to approach week three different. Is it going to look like the old week three where it's a dress rehearsal? Is it going to look like the old week four where it's it's all scrubs? Um, but it is it is noticeable. And, and those guys that have thrown double-digit passes are rookies like Trevor Lawrence, who they're trying to get settled in, or guys that are – in position battles, where maybe they're the leading candidate to start, but the, it's not it's not settled yet. Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, Cam Newton, Tua. Um, the, the one outlier there is Patrick Mahomes. He's thrown twenty passes already, um, an established MVP in the league. But everybody else down: Andy Dalton four, Jimmy Garoppolo three, Tom Brady two, and then you got this whole list of zeros with Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, another injured guy. But it's just it just feels like last year made kind of woke people up to the fact that, yeah, that you don't really need it. It might help to play him, but you don't need to play him.
1: Right. I think the only time you will see quarterbacks play in the preseason anymore is in unique situations. Rookie guy coming back from injury that needs it said, you know, I mean that Burrow would be one of the, he's sort of one of those tweener situations where it's like, do you need it? Do you not? With mm-hmm. um, the rest of it, I feel like, Justin Herbert, no. You know, any of these guys that have played that are solid, there's no battle, there's no issue. They're just coming, they're not going to play. They're not. They're not going to throw. They're not going to drop back. Um, and so, you know, that's, I think I agree with you, Jay. I think this is just part of what the preseason is. And I, I don't think it will make that big of a difference. I think it will take one series, one, two series against Minnesota for Burrow to be back. Exactly where he needs to be, and and that's fine. That's everybody's going to be going through that just in some respect. Yeah. Uh, you have other preseason
3: stats. I do. You know. Look at you. <laughs> it, it, I said this earlier. It, it is preseason stats, so take it for what it is. But I mean, what what was everybody talking about last year and free agency this year is the Bengals' offensive line and the defensive line. Can they protect the quarterback? Can they go get the quarterback? Well, through two plus weeks of the preseason, the Bengals are tied for first in pressures per game with eight and a half. And they are and this is according to Sport Radar, who their, their pressure numbers are a, a little lower, I, I think. I think pro football focus is a little more generous with, with the numbers they give on pressures, but I just... I, I, I It was easier to look at an entire team ranking on sport radar, so I went that direction. Uh, Bills and Bengals tied eight and a half pressures per game. Pressures allowed per game. Bengals tied for second with two. And Denver Broncos first with 1.5. Sacks allowed. Bengals tied for first. One with New England. I mean even though the numbers are a little lighter on pro football on sport radar than they are pro football focused, they're still the same for everybody. And to have the Bengals at the top of the league in those three categories, even though it's preseason, it's still a meaningful turnaround for an area that they, for two areas that they had to have that kind of turnaround.
1: Um, One thing I want to point out was Something we didn't talk about in the game against Washington, and that was Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he had ten pass rushes and no pressures, and Jonah Williams was uh, was perfect against him. And that's something. That's a real guy. That's like goes back to the Carl Lawson Trent Williams thing. This, it, he was out there trying to get after the quarterback, and and the dude that you know absolutely just annihilated Cam Newton the week before and doesn't get back there, there have been a lot of great reviews about what Jonah Williams has been in camp thus far to make people believe that he's going to have a really good year, uh, a year where he takes a pretty big jump. And so I think that was something notable that no one's really talked much about from the other day, but that plays into the pressures thing as well uh, when you're talking about feeling like you have something really solid at left tackle that can go a long way.
3: Absolutely. And, and there it wasn't all I mean, there were some short passes, but there, Brandon Allen dropped back and threw some deeper ones, too. It wasn't like just quick, get the ball out where there's not really going to be a chance to get pressures. Um, so encouraging sign for Jonah, encouraging for the entire offensive line that they're they're just they are keeping the quarterback upright. And we should mention I briefly, briefly
1: mentioned it earlier. The first real Burrow deep ball connection happened on Tuesday, on Monday in Monday's practice. Uh, Joe Burrow with a deep ball, 40, 50 yards. It's hard for us to tell because we're stuck back behind it um, in the other end zone. But 40, 50-yard bomb to T. Higgins over the top of Bates and Bell, who were sucking up a little bit on Jamar Chase running underneath him. And Burrow drops a dime. Higgins catches it deep ball touchdown big sigh of relief from some of the coaching staff on that one <laughs> been waiting for that been waiting for that and needing to see that happen we've all kind of been wanting to see it and I think uh, that's something as we get closer now we, within weeks of the opener uh, a big deal big play from Monday's practice to to get people
3: uh, feeling better about the state of the offense and and bro hit t- Higgins in a red zone for a red zone touchdown too and, and threw it kind of the way he needs to when he throws to him and Auden Tate puts it up there where only those guys can get it. And Higgins went up made a nice catch. It was, it was a good day for the offense. Um, not just Jamar chase. I uh, no drops uh, had a touchdown, but all the way around that, that deep ball, the one that to CJ Uzama last week was just a easy one. He got so far behind the defense. Cause it was a, it's kind of a, a, a play action short yardage thing where they sucked everybody up this one. That was the true good coverage down the field shot to T Higgins. And that's the guy. If you were putting, if if you were putting money on who would be the one that would get the first real connection, I think that's the guy that everybody expects. So it was, it was, it was good to see, um, after where are we now? Three weeks in, four weeks in four weeks in <laughs> finally can <laughs> talk about what T
1: Higgins arrow up season is upon us, by the way, continues to be as people are going through their fantasy drafts. Uh, He's, he's the one. He's the one uh, that is probably, I don't, I don't know ADP on T. Higgins right now as I'm still weeks away from, from my draft, but I'm going to tell you that he probably should be higher than whatever his ADP is right now. Uh, all right, that will wrap. Oh, no, you had Bengals growler bet. We have to recap from last week. I lost J1. That's all I want to talk about it. we just end that right there be done with it Uh, we'll have a new growler bet uh, for the game Sunday we'll have that in Thursday's episode uh, when we take a closer look at Miami and everything that's going on there as we get ready to wrap up the preseason thank God so uh, alright thanks everybody for listening I hope you enjoyed the show we will talk to you next time on hear that podcast growling have a good one everybody
0: Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories of pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.